Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 118, verses 1 through 2 and 14 through 24. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my might, He has become my salvation. There are glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live, and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not give me over to death. Open me to the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Joshua chapter 3 Early in the morning Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over. At the end of three days the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place. Follow it, so that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, a distance of about two thousand cubits. Do not come any nearer to it. Then Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. To the priests Joshua said, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on in front of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went in in front of the people. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in all the sight of Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that that among you is the living God, who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now select twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. 
So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathan, while those flowing toward the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. When the people crossed over opposite Jericho, while all Israel, then the people crossed over opposite Jericho, while all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will meet me. Good morning and welcome to the first Wednesday of Easter, Easter time. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 118, uh, uh, Joshua, and finally, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the the Gospel story we would have heard before, probably from John. Uh, this is when the women uh, discover that uh, the tomb is empty. Uh, Psalm 118 uh, has that um, really well-known line, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Um, and then Joshua, the center, uh, center reading, the centerpiece, uh, describes the end of the wandering. So the wandering is through Exodus, and then we also have some Deuteronomy. Um, and Joshua is the beginning of inhabiting the land that God has promised. But in order to inhabit it, they have to eject some other people, which we, which were mentioned, Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites. Um, and this is one of the... the for, for many Christians, one of the more difficult books, Joshua and Judges, are not as popular. They're much more misunderstood, I think, because of the violence that um, is contained in them and the difficult you know, uh, uh, idea that God has commanded these things. Um, and, um, but what, I've, what I want to focus on is the... Um, the act that's described in this chapter of crossing over the Jordan, uh, the ark goes first, and when the ark touches the water, the waters stop. Um, and I was talking with um, my partner, uh, who's uh, a Methodist deacon and does 
youth group with her church. Um, we were talking about the plagues, and I've, I've talked about how I think uh, COVID-19 is a plague and how we kind of get plagues wrong. Um, but one thing about the plagues that people don't often notice is that many of them are repeating instances um, and and reimagining them or reinscribing a new importance or significance or memory onto them or an additional one. And I, I you may think of it as like circular history and God brings the people back to um, very similar events and has them and reminds them that this has happened before, right? Um, whenever, you know, not whenever, but very often when the Bible talks about freedom or um, uh, compassion, there will be this line in the Old Testament, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and I, I led you to freedom. Uh, and so there's this the prior events jog our memory and remind us that God has been doing this for a long time. And here in Joshua 3, oh, and I'm sorry, in the plagues, for example, um, the the worst plague, the last plague, uh, which is Passover, um, which has just, uh, um, last week, which is parallel to um, Easter, it's actually Monday, Thursday, um, Passover was essentially when God wiped out the firstborn of all Egypt and anybody who didn't put lamb's blood over their door. The death of the firstborn recalls the very opening of Exodus when, um, I'm sorry, not Exodus. Is it Exodus? Shoot, now I can't remember. But when um, Pharaoh killed all the Hebrew children. Um, So what God is doing in Passover to Egypt and to Pharaoh's people has already been done to God's people by Pharaoh, the killing of babies. And it happens again. The slaughter of the innocents uh, by Herod in the New Testament. So these things are meant to evoke um, memories of what's gone before. <clears throat> when the the livestock, <coughs> excuse me, when the livestock grow boils and the 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 grain goes bad, um, that is uh, draws the memory of what the Hebrews were doing in. Egypt, which was building storehouses for, for Pharaoh. Um, the, uh, and in, in Joshua 3, it's a reimagination or a, a reinscribing or even a repeat in miniature of the crossing of the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds um, 40 years earlier when Moses split the, the waters with the staff. Um, Joshua is now uh, leading his people through a river, not a sea, but very similarly, uh, leading them through this body of water, and it stops, it splits, so that the, the priest's feet are touching dry ground. And this is to remind them. It isn't explicit in Joshua 3, but this is precisely what's going on, because this is what God does. God uses memories and events to um, bolster their significance for, for us. Um, and we haven't gone through a pandemic before, but we have, as as a human people, we have uh, the the flu of 1918, sometimes called the Spanish flu, which is not fair. Um, it's called the Spanish flu because Spain 
uh, during World War I was neutral, and so they didn't have a propaganda machine in control of the media. And so Spain reported on it quite openly, the, this pandemic, this influenza pandemic. Um, the rest of the Allied powers and Axis, I don't know if they were the Axis powers back then, but they didn't report on it because it would have um, been a, a threat if their enemies knew that their soldiers and their uh, citizens were being ravaged by this deadly flu, it could be seen as a strategic advantage. So Spain reported openly about it, and it made it open the doors to be labeled the Spanish flu because that's where it's being talked about. But in fact, it began in Kansas at a military base. Um, so we have gone through this before. We now have the administration talking about reopening and govern, uh, governor's offices talking about reopening. Um, and we've seen uh, the beginnings of a dip in the death rates in New York, which has been a hot spot. Um, but uh, looking at the, the, the 1918 pandemic, there were actually three waves. The first wave was bad. Uh, it was before, I think it was spring of 1918. As I said, it came out of Kansas. But it wasn't the end of the war, and so Kansas soldiers got sent over to Europe, and they spread it to Europe. And in the fall, right around that time the war ended, is when the pandemic was in its second most deadly peak. And the last one was in January of 1919, um, and that, again, was not as, as deadly as the second wave. So as we prepare to, um, uh, it, at some point, ease the stay-at-home orders, um, that isn't going to be the end of this pandemic. Um, when people, uh, or when you read or hear that social distancing will go on through 2021 or 2022, I, I think I saw something from some Harvard scientist, um, that's what they mean that as we ease social distancing, we will see another increase in cases, and then we'll uh, tighten social distancing and hopefully it will go down, and that will go on until we have a vaccine. Um, and so this, these repeating events, um, they, uh, they allow us the opportunity of learning from our own history. And not just learning in order to keep from making mistakes, but to give our our past meaning, um, to to see where God was active, um, and see what um, uh, what it is that we can can learn moving forward. Um, the I mean it, I I don't think that the flu ended World War One, um, but I, I'm sure it did play a part, um, and in the end. The flu took more lives than World War One, um, even though it may you may draw the conclusion that it contributed to the end, which is good. Violence is not good, and ending it is good. Um, but a pandemic, uh, a deadly pandemic, I'm just not sure. I don't know, but I think this is kind of what happens with God. Is there's this mixture of what you and I might think of as some kind of morally dubious thing. But God is God, just like the the military campaign in Canaan. Um, it looks like there's a lot of violence, and we don't like to think about it. And yet, there's a reason that Joshua and Judges are books that belong in our canon. 
um, that there's something that we can learn from them. There's something that um, it forces us to confront. And I think soldiers in the military, um, Christians in the military, hold the key to understanding passages like um, you'll find in Joshua and Judges. Um, but it means we have to confront our, our history. We have to be okay not having 100% certainty about what something means in order to learn from it and to avoid making those same mistakes again. A prayer for protection from the Book of Common Prayer. Assist us mercifully, O Lord, and these are supplications and prayers and dispose the way of your servants toward the attainment of everlasting salvation, that among all the changes and chances of this mortal life, they may ever be defended by your gracious and ready help. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PewPewHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. <laughs>